McNulty stunning for to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts no, from Bosby. are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, short yes. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce. Proud to be Pompey. Hi, Pompey fans, and welcome to Pure Forecast, episode 185. Well, as the season peters out, it was only fitting that a great away day finished 1-1. Joining the podcast today is Andy Mitchmore. How are you, Andy? Hello, Bunce. Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Yeah, uh, returning from the abyss. Yeah, not too bad, thank you, my friend. How are you? Yeah, yeah, pretty pretty good, mate, all things considered. Had a lovely weekend away with my... Uh... One of one of the partners in crime who's coming on the podcast in a minute. We had we had quite a messy one, but it wasn't quite as messy as some of the away days. I mean, Freddie may or may not have been sick, so I'll bring him on the podcast. How are you, Freddie? Oh, I'm very well, Hugh. Thanks. Yeah, awesome away day in Nottingham, in Nottingham slash Derby. Enjoyed it. Very competitive game. Amazing atmosphere. Enjoyed that. And I liked Nottingham as a city. Didn't, haven't really explored it properly before. I've been there once before for... If you remember in the League One season before we nearly went bust, losing 3 0 to Lots County. That was a grim game that where I was at. But yeah, Nottingham was really fun. And yeah, I wasn't sick, even though that pink Sambuca nearly killed me off entirely. Pink Sambuca. Did not know that was a thing. Got white Sambuca, dark Sambuca. What's what's pink Sambuca? Am I just oh, yeah. like living under a rock or something? No, I also don't know what pink Sambuca is. And to be quite honest, was that the one that that random bloke bought us, Freddie? Who I basically escorted to the bar to make sure he didn't drop anything in the, in the shot at the same time because he was super creepy. Uh, no, that was like the last one that you bought. So There we go. Don't even remember that. What I do remember is we went back outside after this into the smoking area. Freddie looked absolutely pasty as fuck, literally. And just turns, runs up the stairs pretty much, which is up to where the toilets were. Some woman outside turns to me and was like, your mate's going to chunder. Just like full on. It wasn't even just what I thought. But Freddie apparently said he didn't. So believe that, if you will. He's no, a journalist. No. I, why, why would I lie about that sort of thing? I always admit when I've been sick and I feel horrible. So I don't shy away from that sort of thing. I mean, this is great content, isn't it? Working it's out a lovely topic. I mean, <laughs> end of season. Let's just sack off the football chat and just talk about the drinks that are most make, most likely to make Freddie Chanda. That sounds like a good podcast to me. I mean, just jumping in on that, thank you so much to Stephen Coe for donating us some money and buy me a coffee. And the fact that it was buy one, get one free in the sports bar we were on on pints meant it was about £5.50 for two pints of Madrid. So that went a long way to starting off a great night. So Stephen, thank you again, mate. We really appreciate it. <laughs> Should we just get into the into the podcast today? Because next week, basically, we're going to have the proper season review. That's going to be like a deep dive episode into 
what's gone right and wrong, should we say, for the season. We'll try and get a couple more people on as well. The usual crowd who turn up at the end of the season. But for now, let's just get into this. So first of all, we're going to review the game against Derby. Following that, we're going to talk about something in the news, bits and bobs that are going on, which Freddie's collected for us to look at. And then we are going to preview the game, which is starting ridiculously early on Sunday against Wickham. Right. Let's get into Derby. It was a great day out. We bumped into some friends that we hung out with in the ground and sort of right at the back of the stand. The atmosphere was great, to be honest. Probably one of the best away atmospheres of the season. It was sold out, about 34,500 people there, which is pretty good for a League One game, let's be honest. I think it was the second highest attendance outside of the Premier League. Only our mates over there at Sunderland outdoing Derby with 44,500, but atmosphere was good. It certainly didn't feel like a game, did it, Freddie, where there was absolutely nothing for us to play for. And the Pompey fans sort of reveling in that sort of party pooper vibe. Yeah, because it easily could have been a damp squib, couldn't it? Because it looks as if Pompey could only finish 8th or ninth, depending on how they'll do against Wickham on Sunday. Literally not, not very much to play for. The only thing before the game was Bishop not having his 20 league goals. Uh, spoiler, he got it, thank God. But aside from that, not not a lot to shout about, but I was glad that the atmosphere was as proper and as raucous as it was. Chanting about the scum, chanting about literally everything, getting fully involved because for large parts of the game it was fairly competitive and Pompey had a little bit involved. Derby were the better side in my opinion but but the Blues were still there still hanging around and I think that shows that in certain parts the fan atmosphere is still there when the team actually offers something against a competitive opponent in a bigger ground you know it, it, even when the occasion isn't very good it it, it, it gave me a lot of pride that did. Yeah, that you're staying down with the Pompey and football and library chants and just joking around was a lot of fun. But it did seem at the start of the game, to be honest, Andy, that we were going to be maybe 3-0 down in the first sort of 14, 15 minutes. They had chances galore that were going on in this game. Scummer McGoldrick was literally all over the ball at this part of the game. And at the start, he had the sort of a shot. He cuts inside, Rafferty sort of marking him, maybe gives him a bit too much space, but won't pile on top of that has a shot and I'm not sure if Super Matt Macy managed to get a glove to that, but it hits off the post and then comes back off in for a corner. Yeah, you're looking at the first 20 minutes and I think it's kind of the definition of under the cosh, eh? Um, and you'd have to say we're probably fairly fortunate still to be level by the time we do go a goal up. Um, yeah, Matt Macy, I'm not sure if he got a touch on that first one. He made a similar, like a good save later on as well, still down to his left um, to stop the ball going in at the far post. After that first one that hit the post, yeah, McAldrick always just seems to cause, I mean, cause us issues. But on other occasions, I've watched Derby play. I mean, you hate to say it about someone who who used to turn out for for Southampton, but he seems to cause a lot of teams a lot of problems. Like a very handy League One player to have, just making a nuisance nuisance of himself up top. And yeah, you'd have to say we're probably fortunate to be. Uh, to be level when by the time we do go ahead in the game, I think Matt Macy went down injured for for a fair while just to break up the rhythm of the game a bit, which is what we needed—a bit of tactical sort of a reset to clear the heads and just break that momentum that Derby had at that point early on. Yeah, I'll be honest; I wasn't really sure it was a tactical thing at the time. 
I was like, all oh, right. So the player who's playing best for us at the moment, claiming balls, big, big saves, and suddenly he goes down. It felt like at the time that it could be potentially the opening of the floodgates. But as Andy said, he gets back up, he, you know, he carries on playing. And that little break did help, didn't it, Freddie? Sort of turned the momentum a little bit, uh, which led to the goal. Yeah, because beforehand, like Andy said, Derby basically had a lot of control, didn't they? They could have easily scored. There was that Mendes-Lang shot, which was the biggest one, where he had just enough space near the six-yard box, shot it low, and it was just wide. There were a couple of deflectory stops as well. There was that Jason Knight header from the corner. And overall, Derby had 1.04 expected goals in that exchange uh, in the 18 minutes before Pompey scored, which was well, even by analytics, which usually bring bring things down a tad. Even looking at that alone, Derby should have hit the back of the net at least once. But no, thank God for Bishop's goal. Came from a, came from a goal kick, which Bernard won. There was some good interplay between Pig and Pack. Long ball to Jacobs, then out to Lane, who I liked Lane in this game. Very forward thinking, aggressive, liked to attack the fullback a fair bit. He was knocked down a bunch, which is a bit of a worry, potentially for next season, if he's too lightweight on the ball. But he's able to run into that space, play it back for Rafferty, who cut inside for the Burrell, and that and that cross was straight onto Bishop's head, and a lovely cushioned header into the corner, perfect spot, and then off the post. And I was all over the place after that. I feel like I just heard a radio commentary of it. That was the absolute step-by-step, all-player surnames. Get yourself in there for uh, for Express, Freddie. Well, well, yeah, it's easier when I've got it written down in front of me, but yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, radio commentary is easier when you know what's about to happen and you've got it written down in front of you, I bet, yeah. I think the, there was a lot to like about that build-up play, wasn't there? I mean, Rafferty to have the insight to actually see Morel's run it was sort of classic Joe Morell in a more advanced position, finding a little pocket between the two defensive banks and picking up the ball. And not quite sure how Bishop was as free as he was at the far post. But yeah, everything about that was pretty delicious, really. The the ball from Morell after finding space is perfectly weighted. Bishop is a very composed header. I think it'd be easy to snatch at that. And, you know, he actually seemed to take his time with it. If you can do that with a header, he didn't sort of try and do too much with it. It was very much a placed header, which you don't often see from that kind of angle or that kind of range. So, yeah, it was a it was pretty delicious goal. Yeah, and then, you know, that has led to absolute limbs in the way end. Sorry if I clouted anyone in the back of the head for celebrating. I think the guy in front of me, I might have bashed him in the head. He seemed not to care, so whatever. But it was a great, great feeling, that goal in him. Andy pointed on the the fact that Bishop having a lot of space at the back post, and that was kind of a running for quite a lot of the game that is a big pitch. And there was quite a lot of space to switch the ball during the game. And just picking up on what Freddie said about Paddy Lane being, being good in this game, I think he's probably my man of the match in this game, actually. And it wasn't put forward by Adam Naughty Naughty on the Pompey News Now poll, but Paddy Lane definitely would have been up there for me as probably one of the man of the match. Freddie was mentioning about him being knocked off the ball a bit. And I think that, for me, came from he was making a lot of good runs and a lot of space, and a lot of time he wasn't actually found with these runs. He had his hand up. He, you know, he could have had a couple of quick breaks going forward, but actually, I think what happened with Lane was he sort of ran out of options going forward. He didn't have people running off him sometimes. Didn't have support players who kept up with him in the play. I think if you go and get a winger who can keep up with him, but also intelligent enough to make a run across and midfielders sort of tracking forward a bit more. 
he's not going to be crowded out, which I think is the issue rather than him being forced off the ball. It was more about being crowded out off the ball for Paddy Lane. Freddie has no answer to that. Fine. I thought he was going to come back on that. <laughs> on, I suppose. Um, all right, for, no, the one thing that Pompey did well in this, they actually had a period of playing control in this game after the Bishop goal as well, which was pleasing because sometimes Pompey can just score in games and then immediately the opposition could just have that take the control of the game again because Joe Pickett had a very good chance when Pack laid it off to him. Yeah, he had a low shot while Smith made that made a very good save. It is low and hard into the corner. Then there was the header from Con Logovy when he cut in front of the near post. Header, I think, I think it was knocked back by the keeper. It was blocked. Pompey looked like they were in. They were into it, and it was a, it was a period of sustained good football as well before their chances. And I was very impressed with it. It's just a shame that again they couldn't do it for an extended period of time and then the second half came and uh, Derby just controlled it and showed why their squad isn't in the hunt for the playoffs and uh, ours isn't currently. I think also we needed to get that second goal when we were on top in the second half. When we were bringing it to them, when we had that pressure, the momentum after the goal, it just goes to show though, isn't it? Colby Bishop managed to get a goal in this game. But again, it's the same theme. Who else is going to get goals in this team? And if good teams in this situation would actually have turned around and put them to the sword a little bit before the second half. And I think at halftime, we're talking about the fact that that didn't happen. We all knew Derby were going to come back at us like in the first half. And it just ended up in a draw, really. It's just one of those things, really. The goal went in from them. Let's just talk about it. It's a straight free kick. Player beats Bernard to the header. And Collins is just never going to miss from there. It's a simple tap in for him. It's 1-1. I was going to ask Fred what Derby's overall XG was for the game. If they were 1.0 or 1.1 something after 18 minutes, I'm just curious what they what the comparative XG was over the 90 minutes. See if it reflected how dominant Derby seemed to be. It was about 1.8 in the end. Um, okay, most, so- of that, most of that being Collins's goal, obviously, because of how close it was to the penalty area and stuff. Um, they didn't create that much else. Um, a lot of stuff was blocked and wide because in total... Derby shots, they had 13 shots, four on target. A lot of them blocked a lot from wide, some of them from range as well. So they're usually smaller. Whereas Pompey had seven shots, five on target. So sure. it's so, comparable. So it sort of looked a bit, well, it looked like a bit, we were overrun at times, but it wasn't really an onslaught in terms of goal threat would be a fair comment. No, no, it was just Derby controlling a lot of the possession. And yeah, it, the goal was a bit of a shame. I mean, Curtis Davis, an experienced championship defender, just rises above Bernard and gets the header, Brill, and then an experienced striker in James Collins with enough room to just drive it under the keeper. That's fair enough. But before that, you could see it coming because on the 63rd minute, there was the triple substitution and the formation change. Lewis Dobbin, James Collins and Tom Burkhausen all came on. They switched to a 4-2-3-1 rather than a back three or about five, which just seems to somehow they, they got more control out of it. Um, I guess defensively and positionally, it's easier in the back four. So they're able to just control the game a bit from there. And then Pompey had no answer with their subs or anything. Um, Dale came on for Jacobs on the 70th minute after Jacobs was knackered, didn't really do anything. And then obviously people complaining about the Roberts and Raggett's double substitution on the 82nd minute up for one all. Um there wasn't much else on the bench to choose from. Um, he could have gone for Tom Lowry, I suppose. But what 
Is he the sort I mean, of, let's, let's is he the sort of creative midfielder to change no, no, what, what could Tom Lowry bring to a game that Sean Raggett can't? I mean, that's very <laughs> cynical, Fred. I mean, they bring pretty much the same skill set. Mm. Let's, let's be honest here. I thought that, as we said about ch- limiting chances, that Towler and Bernard did very well as a back as a back pair. You know, they're mobile enough. They they're in position. They track strike as well. So I was pretty happy with how the two of them played, and was quite kind of surprised. Now you can see it with some managers. Maybe they come off and decide to put on experienced centre back, and for the last you know eight ten minutes of the game, but to bring on two just seems like a bit of a, an odd decision considering there's nothing to play for it's not like if we get a point we're going to stay up or get a point and we're in the playoffs I think in that situation you just throw caution to the wind don't you and and try and win the game I think it's something for us to keep an eye on moving forward because you look at this season and one of the large issues and large reasons that we've not ended up in the playoffs is the number of games we've drawn and away against Derby is one of the tougher away days of the season for sure so if you are going to understand that decision, away against Derby is one of the days you are going to understand it. I think we just need to keep a close eye on other occasions, in which case that dynamic repeats itself. Uh, because us going, yeah, one all draw is a good result here, or an okay result here, you know, one point gained, not two points dropped. It's part of the reason we're, we've ended up eighth or ninth in the table at the end of the season, because we haven't taken the risk and gone for the win at times when we really, you know, an extra six points over the course of the season. So turning three of those draws into victories and the final day of the season looks very, very different for us. And I would be caring a lot more about the Wickham game than I currently am. So yeah, I do think we need to keep an eye if that's a trend or not. It, it does concern me a little bit, but not enough of a sample size at this point for me to actually be vocal about it. I'm just going to be keeping my eye out, I think. Yeah, I think we should. And it's, it's the difference between the side trying not to lose and trying to win, isn't it? And that's the difference between successful sides in this division or any division for that matter. The best sides dictate games, dictate play, force the opposition to change change to their tune and have the raw talent to be able to blow out games or even when they're behind the tactical now of a manager to change it. And that's, and that's what happens. I mean, if you're looking back for April, Pompey haven't scored over a goal in a game since the two-all draw at Port Vale. It hasn't been, Pompey haven't been blessed with offensive play over that time and for much of the season either. It's You can see where the gaps in this team are. And I did think the double centre-half subs was a bit strange. Um, I could have understood one change at centre-half if Taylor was knackered, for example. I think that's perfectly fine, bringing on a season centre-half with 10 minutes to go to try and steady the game. But both of them, it seemed a bit excessive, really. Yeah, as I just said. But I think underneath the the idea of going to kill games off, you only have to win one of those. Even if you lose the other two, don't you just get three points? So the mass is on your side to go and do that. I think also, if you look at, you can always get a chance, can't you? All Owen Dale did in this game was win a free kick, which Marlon Pack managed to put on target from quite distance. And, you know, those sort of things can pop up and you then hope your game winners put a chance away. And I think that's the kind of risk you want to be playing for. All right. Anything else to talk about on Derby or we're going to move us on? There's one last bit for Derby. And it's it, 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 we're bringing this back because we've now got two two extra people. We've got to play to guess the XG again. We haven't done this for weeks. 
Look at Andy's happy face on the camera. The listeners can't see it, but he's very impressed, very happy. He did get a party popper and just pop it over his head then in celebration. I'm thrilled to be back, lads. Absolutely thrilled to be back. Uh, Absolutely. So (laughs) the expected goals this week, we will see how we go. So can you guess the expected goal figure for Bishop's goal, his cushioned header in off the post to make it 1-0? Go on, I'll go first. 0.385. Does XG go to three decimal places? Uh, no, it doesn't. No, no. I think it did. No. So 0.39. Okay. Um, I think it is lower than that because there's not much pace on the cross and the angle is against him a bit. And he's what, about 10 yards, nine, 10 yards out. So I'll take the under, I think, and go. I mean, I won't be a dick. 0.385. Three one. Uh, well, Andy's the closest. Um, oh, I've still gone way too high under, <laughs> under Hughes' figure. Why actually hated this? Um, I don't know why. To be honest, I still think this is very harsh. They went with zero point one two on that, which I think is low. I think zero point two is probably fair, um, considering the angle that Andy mentioned. Considering the fact that he had to cushion it all the way onto the post, it wasn't like a bullet cross to him. So it wasn't those where all the all the player struck had to do was guide it into the corner. But yeah, that was guess the XG. And uh, I'm saying this to actually make myself do this. I will, uh, but on Bank Holiday Monday, go through all the previous episodes and figure out no who the season's winner mate. for guess no the excuses. XG is. Yeah, I will do it. Yeah, I'm saying it on the show, so I'll do it on Bank Holiday Monday. Wow, that's way more effort than this is worth, Freddie. Fair play. Uh, I would not be doing this in your position. So. Good on you. I mean, well, the, well, the listeners would want it, so uh, I, 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 I would argue that. But I think, to be honest, Fred, you could turn up and give any figures. No one else is going to be double checking this. So if you get bored, just make up a number where I'm slightly higher. Well, I, I am a journalist. I have to fact check my work. I'm not going to guess, I'd, am I? This would be the first time in my life that I'd be higher than Hugh on uh, for any reason. But um, that's not yeah. happening. It's, I know, right? I know. You'd be I'd demanding be the... the figures were counted if it was the other way around and you're in the league. You'd be Not... going, you'd be, com- you know, you'd want evidence, you'd want, you'd want, a, you know, a general tally, you'd be calling for a revolution. Do, do, you, gen- do you generally want episode numbers and timestamps? Because <laughs> I can do that if you're that fast. No, absolutely not. And that, I, I mean, not quite what I meant about being higher than you, Hugh. I was talking about other events on Evenings Out we've had, but, um, other than feel free to crop that if you want to from the final cut. Um, okay, but no, Fred, no timestamps. Just come with some numbers, and uh, and we will decide whether to not uh, whether or not to to celebrate Hugh's inevitable victory on that. Because I'm pretty sure Hugh's won more than me. I'll be above like Proudy and Joff because yeah. and Jack because I've done shed tons more episodes than them, but. Hmm. Freddie, do it as, do it as PPG. <laughs> no. <laughs> XG, XG wins per 90. Yeah, Just XG wins per appearance. <laughs> we, we've got Wickham coming up, so now we've all got PPG in our head. All uh-huh. right, let's, let's move on. Let's talk about Tommy Lee. I've got a, a few feelings on, on this. I know Pompey are after him from Accrington. It was reported, according to Fred here, that you know we made an inquiry according to his little rag paper he works for. Now, my issue with this situation is that, yes, he's from Portsmouth. Yes, he's doing well. Let's just put that aside for a second and say, I've watched the man play for Bogner 
many a times and none of our scouts rated him. We did. It was obvious he was a good player. I've just got a little niggle to get out there, boys, before we talk about this being a good transfer. And then we could have had him anytime we wanted. Anytime. We could have just knocked on his door. You're right, Tommy. Hey, Robbie Blake, how's Alfie Stanley getting on? Yeah, yeah, he's doing not too bad, thanks. That Tommy Lee's all right. Do you reckon we could have him as well? I mean, we it's just the way this club gets itself into such a pickle in this situation where we're now going to have to pay hundreds of thousands of pounds for a boy who literally was playing down the road and got picked up by a team in Lancashire. Yeah, it's not brill, is it? Um, yeah, according to Neil Allen in the news, Pompey have made an inquiry for Tommy Lowry. Tommy Lowry? Tommy Lee, excuse me. And Aki have put in a figure of £200,000 or thereabouts. He plays in the number 10, has one year left on his contract. He was playing really well, but near the end of the season, he had um, a bit of a break after um, being injured in the Pompey match, actually. Uh, Michael Jacobs injured him. But he was probably one of Accrington's few at- attacking forces in the midfield. Played in like a front three, usually. Dictated a lot of tempo, created a lot of play. And apparently, Mersinho, as before in previous articles, said he wants a playmaking number 10. And that brings me back all the way to 2019, doesn't it? And it brings everything back. And so, yeah, and Tommy Tommy Lee does fit that mould of potentially a playmaking number 10. Arguments for and against, obviously, young player on relatively cheap fee, doing really well for a bad team. And similarly with a player like Colby, Colby Bishop or... Tom Lowry, if you bring in good players on bad teams, they'll get more chances in good teams and play better. Or, or you could take the opposite view of he's one year left and, he, and he's had a season a bit good for Accrington Stanley and that's it. How does that translate to where Pompey are now? I'll open the floor. Hugh, since you know more about him because you've seen him play, what do you actually think from a player perspective would he fit Portsmouth in like a four-two-three-one, for example? Yes, he he is one of those players who, when the, any team is struggling, he get him on the ball and he tries to make things happen. You saw with Robbie Blake, he'd literally be like, "Tommy, Tommy, it's time!" You know, step up! You know, get the ball to him. Like he's one of those players that will get the ball and start to make things happen. He, you know, he can be aggressive with the ball. He's he's a good player, but I haven't seen him play in League One level. So it is very different watching him play for Bognor Regis as a talismatic number 10 than it is watching him play in the EFL in the same situation. But attribute wise, yeah, he's got the ability to score. He can pick a pass out well. You know, he's happy to sort of, you know, get players and sort of roll them up and sort of get the team moving. So I think people would like him at Pompey. I think he'd be a good player. Whether or not it's what you need to be building a championship squad or not, is another another question and whether he's going to be a player that you, you bring in for that situation. That's not our priority at the moment. We're not a championship side. We're not close to being a championship side. At the no. moment, honestly, I, I get the long-term, like bringing in young players, just like looking long-term, creating, you know, a five-year plan like Chairman Mao did and all of this. But at the, at the same time, A-level history, bosh. Uh, but at the same time, like, we are nowhere near being a league, a championship team. We, I, I'm not interested at the moment in us formulating a championship squad. If we can bring in championship level players, great, because it will get us out of League One. But at the same time, I'm not thinking about what squad we're going to have when we're in the championship. I'm thinking about what squad we need to get us out of this hellhole of a league that we've been stuck in since, you know, well, what, seven, 
seven years. That's, God, that's a long time ago. That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm not trying to say we're building a squad now that is championship ready, but if you look at a lot of players in top teams in this league who have a talismatic number 10, they could argue, arguably be playing in the championship. I, I think it's just the level of, it's such an important position to get a player if you're going to run things through a number 10 that I think if you're going to go do that, you're going to spend some money. That position is is a good position to spend money in. So if you're going to do that, maybe is that the talismatic signing that you want to be sort of the, the big summer splash or do you bring him in, but you also bring in some other players. So I think it's just based on whether you see him as the sort of signature signing or whatever, or whether he's going to be a player who is more of a squad player. Only time will tell, I suppose. Yeah, there might be a few things to consider there because purely on transfer value, £200,000 is less than obviously the half a mil. It it was just just over that they spent on Bishop. They keep on talking about looking at the loan market less, which would mean that the the wages for those players can be allocated to buying players and then maybe switched over to the transfer kitty, if you're thinking about football manager, for example. So there may be options for Pompey to go out and splash a bit more around if you're looking at permanent signings. It might be a case of bringing in two midfielders who can play in a 10 or slightly deeper because Messino liked playing the 10 and he wants to play the 10 and he no, doesn't seem no that more, interested. No more deep-lying midfielders who can also play 10. That experiment has got to finish. It's got to be someone who naturally plays in that position as a creative midfielder and has one idea when he gets the ball and that's to get things going forward and moving properly, shooting, crossing, that kind of stuff. No, I think we should continue rotating between Jacobs, Rico and Curtis for another two years actually and see how that works mm. out because we're so close to success. <laughs> well, uh, lots of those are going to be going, let's be honest. And we'll talk yeah. about that in the season review next week. The the cull, which is coming to Fratton Park, which I expect to be quite heavy. <laughs> It's like the social media call you do every like I don't know year or two. As soon as the Facebook friends go above like three hundred, I don't like that many people. It's exactly the same with the Portsmouth FC squad. It's going to be ruthless this year. I think I'm quite intrigued. Anyway, next week, not this week. Yeah, I'll hold that thought. That's it. Hold that thought because uh, we actually are going to go through the squad player by player and work out what we're going to do. So what a treat for the listeners. They're in, they're in for one, Andy. They're in for one. It's going to be good. I'm looking forward to hosting it. All right, Fred, let's move us on to the next bit of the news. Far away. Yeah, sure. The um, Carver Bishop was crowned Players Player at the awards dinner where the very famous Harry Redknapp was a guest speaker. So I'm sure we all love that. And I'm sure they all heard about the Benjani story at some point, presumably. But yeah, great thing that Colby was got that award. Thoroughly deserved it for his play. Probably going to rake in all the all the individual silverware at the at the end of the season game. Presumably, I don't think anybody else stands up. Um, other awards which were given: goal of the season, Marlon Pack against Exeter City. If you remember that goal, stunning goal. If you remember it off the top of your head, Academy Player of the Season, Harvey Laidlaw. So obviously hiding Kobe Motta from. Man City trying to chase him, and then Owen Dale, Community Player of the Season for his work off the pitch. Well, that's nice to hear, Owendale. Was the Colby Bishop winning any real surprise there? Bearing in mind, I mean, who else was on the shortlist? Was it Raggett and... Pack. Sorry? Pack. 
Okay, fair, fair shout for Pack for the start of the season. But I think I'd, in terms of player of the season for overall performance, I think I'd probably have voted for my friend's daughter, Bella, who went to her first Pompey game uh, to watch Pompey women at the weekend over, over Sean Raggett. No offence to the bloke. Big, big fan, but performances this season. It, it says a lot about why we haven't gone up that he was in the top three nominees for that award, in my opinion. Just goes to show, doesn't it, as well, some of the discrepancy between what the players think and what we think watching it a little bit. Well, I mean, Exeter City's players' player of the season was Giovanni Brown, who's not played for four months, for punching a woman. So it just shows that, you know, the, the player's view of what's happening in the changing room doesn't always match the fan base or the police. Ah, former former Portsmouth transfer target Giovanni Brown that That is is definitely not happening anymore (laughs) if we'd have signed him on deadline day and he'd done that it was like literally 36 hours after the deadline snapshot he got done for it or he did it I mean that would have been he he was charged days afterwards and then in the courts and he plead guilty in court I believe I don't know I'll have to have a quick look let's get ready for the ultimate signing in the summer boys to bolster our attack all right, let's move on. Would you like <laughs> to talk about Riley Towler on him discussing a few bits about why he was left out after? Let's do Bell? let's do good old Riley. It's got to be doors. It's got to be doors. So obviously he was he was brought off a half time in the tour draw against Port Vale, largely due to ma- the matchup against Alice Harrison. Brought off a half time and then given a break in the side. Now he's been playing alongside Bernard. Towler looked at it in the case of he he said that other defenders were quality of players and took their chance ahead of him, so he wasn't like completely disappointed about not playing in the in that stretch. And he and he added that he learned an awful lot playing against strikers like Ellis Harrison, who were a bit bigger, not to off the ball, that sort of type of thing. And he says he's still young, and he, it's natural that he will make mistakes and have breaks in the side because of it. And yeah, that's about it. It seems like a very positive attitude to have anyway. To be fair, he's not going to come out in the news and be like, no, I am absolutely raging. Moussinho is dead to me. I'm requesting a transfer, is he? He's going to come out and say that. But I mean, he's not the first centre-back who's had a rough time against Ellis Harrison, is he? So that's going to happen from time to time, realistically, especially when you're on the younger side and in the earlier stages of your career. I see him as quite a large, large part of our plans moving forward to be honest with you I think he's going to be integral to that back line over the next few seasons I genuinely rate him highly enough to say that yeah I think it's interesting we'll see if uh, they put a bid in for Bernard which could potentially happen he's not going back to United so could be a sneak preview of our back partnership against the, in the Derby game I would love that a back two of Towler and Bernard I mean obviously as part of a larger back line not just playing two at the back although that would be different um yeah a back center back pairing of bernard and Tadler i could get well on board with compared to raggett and robertson i i know which side of the fence i'm standing on there i think everyone is on that side of the fence mate to be honest it's, it's yeah i think i can get on board with it as well we'll see if some team like Hull or someone in the championship steps in and decides to whack in more money that's my only worry about that because he did have those performances where he looks good in the championship so a lower championship team might just come in and, and pick him up, but we'll have to see. Maybe he loves it here in his short amount of appearances he's had. We'll wait and see. All right, let's go and talk about Wickham. Wickham Wanderers. The team that have been wandering down the table, let's be honest, they have not been in very good form recently. They have won 
two games in the last six. Recently, they lost at home to Cheltenham 3-0, lost at home to Lincoln 2-0. They won away at Cambridge 2-1, who obviously struggling at the bottom of the table. Lost away at Morecambe 1-0. They won against Forest Green 2-0, but let's be honest, you know, why do we care about that? Before managing to lose 4-0 away at Ipswich, which I suppose is nothing too, nothing too big. A top goal scorer is obviously Mehmeti, who I believe is not there anymore. He is not, you are correct. He is at Bristol, so that's been a big problem for them because he actually looked like a real player as well there um, with nine goals in the league. You look at the team they've got, they've got Brendan Hanlan as well, who is a player that, I think he was the only player that um, underperformed his XG rather than John Marquess when he was playing for Pompey. He is is still underperforming his XG to this day, yeah. Yeah, that is his his claim to fame, the only man that. And talk about John Marquess, actually. If you're the guy who's wearing a Marquess shirt, by the way, at the Derby game, in this season's kit, I'd like to know why. Was it a stag do? Are you his brother? Was it a bet? <laughs> Let me know at PO forecast. Anyway, going back to the game a little bit, I suppose. They're probably going to play a 4-2-3-1. They're not too bad at the back. They've got Tafazoli, who I like. Jacobson as well at left back is can provide goals, likes to take a penalty. But overall, this is a team I feel, boys, should be there for the taking at Fratton Park. Yeah, you look at their pay, uh, you look at their team on paper, and you have to say it's noticeably weaker than the last season or two. I think this might be famous last words, but with the exception of Sam Vokes, who I do rate a fair amount, again not biased there at all. But with Tafazoli at the back, who I mean, I enjoy watching his vlog. So that's about all the information I've got. And he seems to take charge of games. And uh, is a very good-looking young man. Oh, what a man crush! He's a nice, good bloke. <laughs> um, this is the preview people stop for. They want us to rate the footballers we're playing against. No, we're not objectifying them. Don't be so. Don't be so outrageous. You, it's 2023. We can't do that anymore. <laughs> um, no. So Tapazoli, I rate him at the back. Uh, Jacobson again, solid player. Pompey fan favourite David Wheeler, who has done pretty well at Wickham since leaving Fratton Park, and seems to be a lot happier and a lot more settled there than he ever was at Fratton. Um, I think he's, well, he never really performed too well for us, did he? He's, his first touch, I think it, I've probably said it on the podcast before, my lasting memory of him is him taking a first touch in the, in the centre circle and it going out for a throw-in. Uh, so that's that's my David Wheeler moment, but he does seem to be doing better for Wickham. And again, seems like a pretty nice bloke, so I'm okay with that. But yeah, on on paper, you'd say they are weaker than they have been. Since since um, Gareth Ainsworth went to QPR and Matt Bloomfield came in, it's all fallen apart. I think since since that manager changeover, obviously Ainsworth had a rough start at QPR as well. But yeah, with uh, with the Wicker results, they've just fallen off a cliff. I mean, they like us, they'll be really really disappointed to not be in the playoff mix on the last day of the season. I imagine their fan base is feeling pretty similar to ours at this moment in time. It's been a completely a season of nearly but not quite and what if and general frustration so yeah two frustrated fan bases last day of the season nothing to play for it's going to be a classic isn't it really yeah it's going to be an absolute corker of a game let's be honest and starting at 12 o'clock to try and keep me sober for the game yeah good luck with that (laughs) the, the battle for eighth place is on isn't it i mean we've got the superior goal difference. So if we manage to get a draw, we will secure that. So I'm expecting 
I'm expecting the uh, the two centre backs to be coming on at 82 minutes in order to tie up the game. It would be one, very, one. it would be very pompy this season to get a one all draw and fit, to fit, <laughs> to scrape eighth. Imagine, imagine the scenes at that. And just to annoy me because I thought Pompey would finish ninth, but I'd exactly. rather I'd rather Pompey win this game than that. Obviously, no, no, you wouldn't. That is that is why Andy, we're we're rooting not to lose to Wickham because Freddie is being so boastful about his ninth place pr- position. Uh, predictions sorry at the start of the season he's he banging on about a derby away oh he says now he'd rather Pompey win no he wouldn't alright he would not rather he'd rather be right genuinely how big a difference in prize money do we think there is between ninth and 8th in League 1 I have absolutely no idea how to scale that in my head probably what do we think let's, of, let's have pack, inaccurate pack of, guesses a pack of pork scratchings and a pint probably yeah something like that probably think like 10k or something It'll be absolutely minuscule. Does he put us in like the McDonald's lottery or something in order to get some free food or (laughs) something like that? Like half a season of the dominoes for next season paid for for that one row per week. Has anyone Mm. actually won the dominoes thing? It's never even near me. No, Matt Matt Corrick won the the dominoes thing at, um, what game was it? What, in the Fratton end? Forest Green. No, when he was in the Milton end with... um, Oh, that explains it. When he was in the Milton end. never top of the Fratton end. It's no, not. It's no, no, it isn't. I don't think it ever is. It's because they know we <laughs> idiots keep... Us idiots, season ticket holders at the top of the Fratton end will keep coming back. It's the people who are buying one-off tickets week in, week out, occasionally in other parts of the ground. They just want to, oh, you know, I might win some pizza again. That made the match day even better. Like, human. Exactly. Absolutely fuming. Why do bad things happen to good people, Hugh? I don't get it. I don't get it either. Talking about quickly, the safe standing is going to be five rows at the back, apparently, of the Fratton end. The five rows at the back, Fred. That just about takes our season ticket, doesn't it? I think we're the we're the fifth row or fourth. Oh, yeah. Are you? Are you the fifth? fifth? I was going to ask. I that. haven't actually looked, to be honest. <laughs> I just saw the headline. I didn't actually read up on it. But no, does that make me like the seventh? Because I'm two rows in front of you, right? I'm yeah. JJ. I think I think we're the fifth row from the back. I'm just oh, trying great. to count. Lads behind us, then another row, then another row. I think we're the fourth or fifth from the back. I don't know why I can't work that out. Can you work it out, Fred? Well, it's row double N is the top, isn't it? Off the top of my head. So um, let's do the alphabet. Yeah, so yeah, so I, I, I think it covers. How bad it is. I think, but but would it even matter? Everybody stands in our bit at the back of so the end anyway. Is it so, NN? Is the back row? I believe so. Yeah. M M L L K K J J. So that would make me five rows down if it's just the doubles. Okay, yeah, so that, that would make you third row down from the back. Yeah, if, that, if that's correct. Yeah. So let's see. I mean, it makes no difference apart from having a rail. I literally stand up the whole time anyway. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I will feel a lot safer if I have something to hold on to, and it, it will it will stop me piling on the people in front of me when we score at least. So they'll probably be happy. <laughs> All right, boys. Do you have anything to talk about? We're coming. I'm going to round this up, and we'll go to score predictions. Yeah, the only other bit to add about Rickham is I like their keeper, Max Striek. Um Proper shot-stopping goalkeeper. I think last I mentioned him on the pod before, and I said he played well for Livingston, and Andy looked at me as if I was strange. Um, but yeah, so, so solid goalkeeper, distribution a bit a bit off. I wouldn't actually mind him at Pompey, to be honest, but I'd have to look at his analytics a tiny bit deeper, to be honest, before making a proper decision on that. But yeah, Wickham can be a solid defensive unit. Gareth McCleary with his six goals and eight assists. He, him and Lewis Wing, they're large, 
creative forces, but Sam Vokes hasn't replicated big scoring form, but he's obviously still a massive handful in this level. Um, very, very, very useful striker. And yeah, I, I don't think we can, I don't think there'll be a pushover purely on um, the matchup because obviously their physical play, if they continue with that, it'll make things a bit difficult for Pompey. But if they want to move away from that a bit more, try and play a bit more along the ground, then Pompey can control the game a little bit. So we'll see how it goes, but it's it's an end of the season game. I'm not really... It's, there's not a lot riding on it, so we'll, we'll see. And uh, one more thing, Andy. Um, you were right. Uh, Giovanni Brown did a bit to assault a woman. I just double-checked it. Um, so yeah, good thing. Well, good thing, good, good, thing, good the, thing that Pompey didn't go after him. And that's we don't we'll need say. to finish the pod on uh, you know domestic abuse charges. Out of the players you just named, Fred, uh, FYI, uh, Strijek didn't even start last game. He was on the subs bench. Lewis Wing didn't even start last game. He was on the no, subs bench. Lewis Wing must be injured then. I don't know. Um, he was yeah. He came on as a sub, so maybe he's coming back from injury. But McCleary started. But um, yeah, I wouldn't get too too excited about the thought of seeing your favourite goalkeeper if uh, if he wasn't starting last game. Looks this like Harvey Cartwright might be in instead. This is top. This is top content. Right, let's round this off. And just for the listeners, this next week we're going to have a bit of a a proper deep dive. So here we go. Let's go for the Wickham game. And I want to know, Andy Mitchmore, your score pl- prediction, please, and any goal scorers. Four 0 Pompey. Wickham has switched off. They're on the beach. Pompey are playing for that eighth place. You know it's. It's make or break for our season at this point, so it's important. And uh, goal That's scorers, uh, let's go Bishop with a brace, take him to what 22 for the season. Lane to score, and one of the centre backs, either Towler or Bernard, I think, are gonna are gonna score for the Blues. Frederick Webb, what is your prediction, please? I think the narrative is too strong on my prediction. Um, I, I am going to go with a one-all draw to scrape eighth place. Uh, I'm going to go with Colby Bishop to score because he's, you know, I mean, I mean, it's quite an easy decision to back him. And for Wickham's goal, I will go with Gareth McCleary uh, to even this off and there'll be a polite round of applause at the end of the game and most people will go away and uh, think about next season and think about the summer because that's what that's what we're all doing aren't we I'm going to the pub after the game don't know about you Fred <laughs> straight, straight out uh, Hugh what is your prediction uh, I'm going to go with 2-0 and Owen Dale Brace from the bench that's one of the stupidest things I've ever heard <laughs> what, a, what a fitting way to end it <laughs> no I'm going to go 2-0 Bishop and Lane there we go alright Andy's going to have a new podcast Thanks, mate. Nice to be back. Looking forward exactly. to that deep, deep dive next week. Can hardly wait. Let's see how <laughs> drunk we can get for that one. <laughs> are we going to do? Are you going to be doing it live on the way to a bar like you were last year, or will you be out in front of your computer? Oh, that was year before last. No, I think I'll be at my computer next week. Yeah, that was outside. It was in Paddington, I think. I was doing that. Mm-hmm. Human. Um, no, this week, this year, I will be at home. I think I'll be just recording it like I am now. Um, but yeah, possibly drinking. I don't know. We'll see how see what the vibe is. Let's get some beers in, boys. And Freddie. I don't know why I'm asking you, but oh yeah, that's why. Thanks for being on the podcast. Get my job <laughs> right. <laughs> Cheers, you. Thanks for everyone. And uh, thanks to have the uh, whole gang back together for an episode. We haven't had that in a while, have we? 
Yes, Fred, I've been busy. <laughs> Make your shots. Like Come on, take your shots. Just say it. I was just saying how room, happy Fred. I was, and you've ruined it. Okay. Take, take your shots. Come on. Just be straight with me. You're disappointed in me. I got your text. <laughs> That's it. You're fucking terrible, Andy. And the listeners will hate you for it. But I know. until next time. I got time. their DMs as well. There's no need for all this. <laughs> Pile on in, people. He deserves it. But until next time, and a deeper dive next week. Stay up, Pompey. You have been listening to the PO Forecast for Pompey News Now. Available on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast and Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle.